0: Hallelujah. Come on, people. Let's give the Lord a great big hand this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. You're a good God. Father, we praise you, Lord God. Lord God, though even the earth would be shaking, Lord, though the nations would rage, Father, we put our hope and our trust in you. Lord, our lives are anchored in you this morning, and we worship you because there is no one like you. You are our God, and we give you praise this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord another great big hand this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Bay City. And uh, my word, we serve an awesome God. Do you know that we serve an incredible God? No, uh, I've just got to say, we've, uh, this is my third weekend here. And uh, uh, before I left, so many people said to me, uh, expats, they warned me and said, Doug, you need to prepare yourself. When you go back out, <clears throat> when you go back out to the West, people don't really care. When you go back out, people don't care what you're doing and, and people really don't care about the nations, and uh, I thought each time as as they said that, they don't know my church. (laughs) They don't know my church. They don't know the people here, and uh, I've got to tell you that uh, you haven't disappointed me because every time I've spoken, every group that I've been with over the last three weeks, oh my word, what I needed to be prepared was for the outpouring of of love and uh, affirmation and uh, just a- incredible interest in in the peoples of the earth and the peoples where we are, and uh, basically we're an we're an awesome church. We're an awesome group of people, and uh, it is such a privilege and a pleasure to be a part of this body here, because actually we carry the heart uh, of God for the nations, we carry uh, the mission of Christ to reach out to people who don't know. We carry the mission of Christ to reach out to the lost wherever and whoever they would be. And, uh, you know, it's so good to be back amongst you, amongst friends. Um, how many of you enjoyed that song, Free, this morning? Hold oh, my word, I'm free. <laughs> I'm free in this place. And uh, we live in a blessed nation. Even though whatever is going on in this nation we're still free. And that's a precious gift. That's a, that's a, a, a cultural inheritance and inheritance that we have from our forefathers who worshipped Christ in this place and have built a foundation in our lives and in this nation that we can sing, we are free. And truly, we are. We are. I will tell you a bit about the nation that, that I live in this morning. And uh, I, I will share testimonies of of what it's like in there, and uh, I want to share what it, just some of the issues that we face in that nation, and I want to share how the goodness of God breaks through despite of everything the devil might do and uh, all, cons- uh, all troubles that he would stir up. So uh, this morning, I want to encourage you both that uh, he takes care of his servants wherever they are. He takes care of his children Wherever they are, and that also as a church, we're making a difference in the nations. You know, uh, in, in this last year, uh, we've really taken a step out, the church as a whole has taken uh, a step out into reaching out into some heavy, dangerous places. And, uh, uh, you know, we can't take that for granted because uh, actually the place that we are in is dangerous the place that, that Dave and Kate, in, uh, uh, Kate are in, it's dangerous. Uh, the work of missions is dangerous. The work of spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom uh, has some risk. But you know what? For 2,000 years, people like you and I, people like you and I, have been taking risks to reach out to the lost and spread the gospel. And the nation's of the earth belong to Jesus Christ. The nations of the sea, that's a good place to say amen. (laughs) You see, the name of Jesus is bigger than the name of communism. The name of Jesus is bigger than the name of Islam. The name of Jesus is bigger than earthquakes. It's bigger than recession. It's the name above every name and every knee shall bow before him. The nations will bow at His feet and worship Him. That's what it's about. It's not about meetings. It's about the nations of the earth coming to bow before Jesus Christ. This is the real deal. This is our purpose for living. It's not paying bills. It's not just holding a space on this earth. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. Amen so one one year ago I stood here and it was pretty much one year to uh, actually just this week uh, was our anniversary one year anniversary in china and uh, before I left uh, i I spoke to you and and reminded you of uh of a prophecy uh, that was spoken over this church years ago and then has been continued to sp- uh, be spoken and uh, it says it's out of isaiah fifty four and verses two and three and it says Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Now that is a rhema word to us that is a promise To us, specifically as a group of people, that we would spread out upon the earth, that we would uh, stretch out the borders of our tent and uh, take possession of other cities, other nations. So when I left, I said, Bay City, we are not leaving this church what we're doing is we're taking a peg out of the ground and we're stretching it right in and striking it into the heart of China because that nation belongs to Jesus. No matter what, whoever says, that nation belongs to Jesus. So I want to encourage you this morning that as a church, we are making a difference. That as a church, we are partnered with God and reaching People who, unless they know about Jesus Christ, would live in utter misery that is beyond our belief. Because of where we live, it's beyond our understanding to even associate with it or, or connect with it. You know, the, um, this morning as we watched the, the DVD of what's happening in, uh, in Christchurch, that's our nation. Uh, those are our, our people. That's our nation you know, we've lived in a, in a time where New Zealand has this, lives in this comfortable bubble of safety where we think our, our greatest risk is, is getting out on the roads or, or uh, uh, some road accident. But actually, that is an, an enormous wake-up call to us as a nation. There is no safety, no security outside Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our only safety, our only refuge, and best we be anchored in him well and truly. So I want to talk to you. I want to set the scene a little bit about, uh, uh, about where we live. I live in a closed nation. It's a nation of China. And when we say a closed nation, it means you cannot be a missionary in that place. You cannot legally preach the gospel. You cannot do a whole number of things there that... Uh, uh, that we would take for granted as freedom in, in this place. So over there, I live as a, a, actually as a student studying the language. My family are all studying the language there, but we're doing other stuff that uh, uh, is busy reaching out to lost people and building and advancing the kingdom of God there. So you cannot do legally what we do over there, but we do it anyway. <laughs> Uh, we live. It's a police state now. I don't want to. I don't want to knock China because it's a. It's a. It's an incredible nation. It's an amazing place, but uh, it, it is. It's a police state. So uh, we have regular, uh, regular calls from the police. Uh, they will come and, and knock on our door normally sometime between 10:30 and 11:30 at night when most good Kiwis are, are wanting to put their heads on their pillow, and uh, and there'll be a pounding on the door and uh, I open the door to, a, to uh, at least two or three policemen immediately in front of me, and then right back to the end of the foyer, which is probably 10 meters square uh, of guards behind them. And uh, that's kind of an intimidating thing at, at uh, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, and it's, a, it's a, uh, uh, it takes a bit of getting used to, I can tell you. Um, uh, up until recently... Uh, every time I would go out and do a seminar, a training seminar outside our city, uh, I would have to, uh, I'd have to take away a, a small carry bag with me, and um, someone would say, uh, let the police know that uh, you, the foreigner's gone out, and, uh, and something different's happening. And uh, within a couple of days of that, Kalinda will get a, a, a knock on the door saying, where's your papers, where's your passports, and uh, where's your husband? Now, they've seen our passports and our visas umpteen times, more times than I can count, um, and nothing's changed, but they want to see them again because they want to have control on, on uh, everything that's going on. When they find that, yes, your husband is not there, so where is he? Who is he with? How long is he going to be? Why? And, uh, uh, and then, okay, then, when he gets back, tell him to come and see us and uh, the very last time this happened, they even spoke to our landlord and said, wherever the foreigner is, make sure he comes and sees us. So not only have I got the police, I've got the for- uh, the, our landlord saying, I know where you are, but when you get back, get to the police. And uh, that was a bit of a concern. Um, so I delayed a little bit and, uh, and prayed and uh, just asked God for, for his grace and his help because I don't want to be intimidated by these guys, because actually I believe that we will be there as long as God wants us to be there. And, uh, and they can't do anything about that. Uh, we will be there till God says go home. And uh, anyway, so I prayed, and, and I just felt, just push back on it. I pushed back on it a little bit. So I went down to the police, and, uh, and I talked with them and, and said, you know, why are you troubling me? Why are you causing me difficulty you don't cause my um, my friends here, my other friends here difficulty. Why the special attention? And uh, they said, oh, sir, it's just routine. And I said, no, it doesn't appear to be routine because actually you don't trouble the others like this. And uh, they said, just fill in the forms and where are you and who are you, who are you with and, and tell us all this. I said, actually, what I would like you to do is write your names on my piece of paper and uh, because everyone's scared of someone. And... Uh, Uh, They hadn't had that response before, so they said, no, sir, we won't do that, and I said, yes, I want your names on my piece of paper because I don't think you're treating me fairly, and uh, (laughs) they got real nervous, and uh, they wouldn't write their names on the bit of paper, but they have numbers on on uh, on their uniforms, so I said, I will record your numbers, and now right then, they're getting real worried because if I make a complaint to the central police, they could find themselves in trouble. The foreigner could also find himself in trouble, but they more worried that they will get in hassle themselves. So, uh, uh, right about then, they said, "Sir, you can go now." And uh, uh, since uh, since then, I've been in and out uh, of the city, and and they haven't bothered me. Funny that. Uh, so, so that's that's good. <laughs> So uh, here's the here's the the clincher though. I've still got to get back into the country. So pray for me before I get back in. So uh, <laughs> so there is a number of challenges of of where we are. It's uh, one of the other challenges is the is the language challenge. There is no English spoken in in that uh, in the place that I live, and uh, so. Uh, when we left, we knew two words of, of Chinese, and that was, uh, hello, ni hao, and, uh, and, uh, and thank you, which is xie xie. Uh, other than that, we knew nothing. And, uh, <laughs> so it's finding, um, uh, finding a, a way to be able to communicate, and we've had to work really hard on, on, uh, uh, on our Chinese language so that we can be understood and understand or what they say. But just to add to the layer of complication, the main language, which is understood by pretty much everyone other than the, um, the really remote villages, is Mandarin and, uh, or Putonghua. And uh, uh, that language is understood, but not necessarily spoken by, uh, by the locals. So in, in the area that I live, it's probably the third language that these people speak they speak their city dialect, their local dialect, they speak their province dialect, they probably even speak their, their minority group language uh, before they will speak uh, standard Chinese. And when they do speak Ch- standard Chinese, it's with a really heavy accent. <laughs> so even things that we take for, for granted, like turning on a tap and drinking water out of the tap, we can't do there. We have to or ring up on the telephone and, and order water to, to, uh, to get to our place. We can't do that in English. We have to do that in Chinese. And uh, for the, the first uh, three times I rang up, they hung up on me <laughs> because they couldn't understand a word that I was saying. I was reading straight off the, off, uh, the little phrase that I had for it, and uh, I'd ring and I'd, I'd uh, go through this phrase. Bang, they would hang up three times. I got to the third time, and I thought, oh, my word, we're going to die of thirst before we get water delivered to our apartment. What to do? And uh, so worked really hard on it. Fourth time, yes, I got water. <laughs> <laughs> so just simple stuff that we take for granted here in New Zealand. We live in a blessed place. Uh, some of the other challenges is we move from, a, from being a majority in New Zealand to being a minority uh, I can go. Uh, I can go a whole week without seeing another another Westerner or talking to another Westerner, and uh, uh, that's kind of eerie in itself. It's uh, kind of, yeah, it's it's different moving from that. Um, but one of the other issues is, is that actually uh, we're a minority that's disliked, and um, so they immediately associate us with uh, American or or uh, or English people, who they've been taught. Poisoned the land and, and, uh, and pillaged them, and uh, so when someone sees us they their first question is are you an American or are you English and they have no idea where New Zealand is um, but uh, yeah but um, but that 's the immediate immediate association so just an example of of what this means I took the girls out one night and uh, we were just walking along the street and i 'd given them a uh, a piece of, of uh, a skewer of fruit with candy on it. And, um, and, uh, we were walking along the street. They love those things and they, they, they were just enjoying it. And I turned around at one point and Elise had stopped and her mouth was open and she was just eyes wide open looking at the stick. And I said, sweetheart, what's the story? And she said, uh, you know, dad, that, that woman just walked past and she spat on my, on my candied fruit. Now, uh, it's like, why would you do that? Other than there's just a, a nastiness there that uh, says, you, I don't like you, and get the message real clear. And uh, the girls have actually had some, some hard yards. But, uh, but even with that, I want to share some, some really cool things that, that have happened because that will encourage you. Uh, where you are, if God takes care of us where we are, he will take care of you wherever you are. So uh, the first very cool thing that happened um, when, we, uh, when we arrived, Sophia has, has always struggled. Right from the time she was a little baby, she's struggled with chronic eczema. And uh, a- at home, her sheets were stained with blood because she, would, uh, she couldn't sleep properly. And she'd scratch holes in herself until she bled. And uh, she had suffered from that uh, since she was a, a little baby. Just tiny. And we'd prayed and we'd prayed and we'd prayed for her and, uh, and hadn't had a breakthrough. And when we got to, uh, got to our city, it was so dry. It was dry enough to suck the moisture out of your mouth. Dry, 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 dusty. Uh, all the things that are, are just likely to flare that up and uh, in, in, uh, just cause just more damage on her skin. And we just cried out and asked God, Father, we need your help in this once again. We need you to break through for us. For within six weeks, she didn't have a trace of eczema on her. So, <laughs> so, so that is good. To this time, she does not have eczema. She's, uh, she's concerned about her daddy being away for so long, but uh, she doesn't have eczema. There's no scarring on her skin, and there's no blood in her bed. And uh, that is one thing that says, well, God, you're awesome. So even in this place, uh, you take care of us. And uh, and another issue was uh, early on, Kalinda had an enormous allergic reaction to some of the foods that we were eating. And uh, uh, they put all sorts of chemicals in the the food, and um, uh, we were getting home from being... Been out, and parts of her face were were starting to swell, and uh, and if nurses know or doctors would know that when once that starts happening, that's a bad deal. And her tongue's starting to swell on her lips, and uh, that's a scary deal, and because I'm thinking, oh my word, what do we do here in in this place? But again, I got to tell you, within uh, within uh, the peak of that, uh, which was must have been three months in. Kalinda had a massive healing, and uh, that she hasn't had swelling now for uh, uh, the rest of the nine months. So uh, uh, that is just phenomenal. So Jesus said that don't worry about anything. You see, the sparrows, the sparrows, they're sold for a a couple of cents, and uh, not one of them falls to the ground without your father knowing. Your father knows every need that you have, and he will take care of every need you have. Just seek first his kingdom, and he will take care of you. Here's a really precious one that I want to share. Also, at one stage, Kalinda, uh, no, Kalinda, sorry, I went into Elise's room. Elisa's 10 years old. I'm heading on towards 11, and uh, this was one night when I'd put her to bed, and uh, I went back in, and I could just hear her sobbing, great, big, deep sobs. I thought, oh, my word, that's hard to deal with. Uh, I said, sweetheart, what's, what's the matter? What's the matter? And she said, Daddy, I don't have any friends. I miss my friends back home. And uh, I tell you, that messes, uh, as a dad, that messes me up, messes uh, Kalinda up as well. And uh, again, Kalinda and I just ask God, God, we need your help. In this situation and then within a week I was down at the market and uh, talking to someone in the market I turned around and there's a little Chinese girl right behind me and uh, she said to me in word perfect English where do you live uh, she's Chinese Chinese like you don't hear any Chinese speak to you like this in place where I am and uh I, I, I said I well I live through there but I said who taught you English She said, my mummy taught me English. I thought, okay, (laughs) maybe your mother studied abroad. And I said, "Uh, uh, yeah, so I said, I live over there. And she said, I do too. Can I walk home with you? And uh, I thought, yeah, okay, sure you can. And as we're walking home, she said to me, do you have any children? I said, I have three daughters. She said, can I be their friends? (laughs) I said, oh, my word, you're an answer to prayer. And uh, yeah, so God, even little things, little things, no matter what your need is, no matter how small it is, God will take care of your needs. That little girl has turned out to be a phenomenal friend uh, for, uh, for my little, my little girl. But, uh, so God is taking care of us over there. And that's and an, an incredible thing. We see Whatever we're doing, God moves in in just amazing ways to take care of us. So what are we doing there? Our heart is to advance the kingdom of God. Our heart is to prepare church leaders and to train pastors and leaders for the church in that place. And uh, we had a prophecy just before we left. And uh, God had said, he said through a word of, of prophecy, he said, I see you like toy-toy and the seeds being carried by the wind, and there's masses of seeds, and they're being carried a long way. And I thought, wow, that's a great prophecy. I'll hold on to that. Uh, but I had no idea, no idea how it, would, how it would happen or how it would be carried out. In fact, some of the things that I had planned actually disappeared in smoke when I got there. And, uh, uh, but other things came up and were delivered to our plant, that were just beyond what we could have asked or even dreamed of. So I preach in an underground underground Bible school. What does that mean? Uh, what it means is that I go to a place that is preparing pastors and leaders for for churches in provinces and, and other regions. And uh, in that place, it's... Uh, okay, there it, it was a map, but uh, I don't think we're going to get the map. But, uh, uh, you know in this place i go it's about 2 kilometers from where i live i can't acknowledge anyone when i uh, on the way there i can't stop for anyone if i'm stopped for for guards or by guards or anything i've got to turn around and that's the end of the day so uh, in this place uh, where the where the bible school is uh, i have to go fast through the barriers and just swing out to the side so that uh, so that the guards don't stop me they can't really be bothered they've got other things to do and um, Uh, I drive my motorbike into the apartment area and uh, I keep my helmet on because uh, there's cameras in the lift. I I have to keep my head down in the lift so that I'm not caught on the camera and stand up against the wall. I get off on another floor where the Bible school is not, walk up the remaining flights of stairs and into the the place where the students are. And now the students, for them, uh, the biggest risk for me is that if I get caught, they're likely to throw me out. For them, it's a big problem if they're caught with me. They take a real risk. And uh, for them, they could be beaten. They could be imprisoned uh, for being caught with me. They can be interrogated for however long it takes for them to uh, to crack and, and say something about one of the others or about me. And uh, so that's, that's a deal. If we're busted, I've got to say I'm... Uh, uh, I'm teaching, I'll be, uh, because I'm speaking in English anyway, I'm teaching them English. So <laughs> it's just, that's the way life is there. And uh, you have to be prepared for that and, and live with that and, and work with it anyway. Uh, it's hard to, hard to describe how much weight and, and pressure there is on you when you're in that environment until you actually step out of the country and it's like an enormous weight comes off you and you see your spring and uh oh my word what's that uh, what that is that is being able to breathe <laughs> what's that that's freedom uh, well, what's that oh my word i i can speak uh i can i can speak whatever i like and i'm not going to be arrested or anything like that that's uh so that's the sort of uh, thing that we we live in and uh I also preach beyond, uh, beyond the city into other places, and uh, we've seen some incredible places. One area that I preached in was uh, right on the border of Myanmar and China, on the, uh, on the southwestern border, and uh, it's, an, it's a wild place, and there were a group of pastors there that had gathered in the mountains. They were doing incredible work reaching out to, uh, to the hill tribes along the border of, of Myanmar and China, and they were great people. They were enthusiastic, but they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, said to, uh, I said to the guy that I was with, I said, Hey, are we going to pray for these uh, people to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I'm guessing most of them haven't been. And uh, he said, Oh, it sounds like a great idea, Doug, but I don't know how. And I said, I do. So, so <laughs> I said, Watch. And uh, I did what, uh, what we do here all the time as part of, of just what we do. That's our inheritance here. We're a spirit-filled church and, uh, that is living in it now. And uh, as I preached, the guy who was with me, he spoke some Hebrew, and I was demonstrating just very simple stuff, speaking in tongues. And this guy, he was like, Doug, I can understand what you're saying. I said, what? He said, you're speaking in a dialect of Hebrew. I said, you what? He said, yeah, this is what you're saying. Here's a direct interpretation of what you're saying. And I thought, oh, my word, because you know when you're praying, t- oh, I know when I'm praying in tongues, I have a, I have a rough idea or a sense of what I'm praying for. And uh, this guy gave a word-for-word translation of what I was speaking in tongues. That it was like, oh, my word. <laughs> so that was, that was great. So these, these people got radically, messily, drunkenly filled with the Holy Spirit. They hadn't seen this before, and they were just like, oh, my word, more. They, they, had, they were doing the right things, but they hadn't been empowered by the Spirit of God to do that work. And then they were just leased into a, into a new lease of life and energy. I tell you, that does something for you. And uh, does something for me. Does something for uh, for for. uh, Does something for the heart of God when He sees people receive His precious gift. So in another place in this Bible school, um, uh, another time, this was in the underground Bible school. We were training a group of minority pastors, and these are from uh, uh, yeah the major race, majority races, the uh, Huns, Hanzu Chinese people. Then there's multiple multiple small races. And uh, at this time, I was training a group of, of pastors from a Miao tribe and, uh, and from people who were right up into the, the northwestern corner, which is a Muslim, a Muslim territory. And Westerners, uh, it's a big risk for Westerners to go in there. But if they send us their students, then we're happy to train them and to send them back. Anyway, this was hard work. And I was thinking, after the second session with these guys, I was thinking oh, me, oh, my, this is, uh, this is really tough. And at the end of the second session, I thought, okay, God, let's just, I need you here, break through on this and, and, and do something. I said, I want you to all stand up and I just want you to, I don't worry about the, about the Wigran, uh, that's me, uh, the foreigner. Uh, I just want you to, to just lift up your heart towards the Lord and just worship him. And as they did that, I thought I'd just go around. I got their eyes closed and just worshiping God just quietly. I laid hands on the toughest nut in there. Just a really hard, hard nut, hard nut woman. I just put my hand on her head and she just went like a ton of bricks straight on the floor. Bam! I thought, wow, that's cool. (laughs) You needed that. You really needed that. Next one. Wham! The same thing. By this stage, the, the others can can uh, hear the thumps on the floor. And they're wondering what's going on. They've got their eyes open looking at this. And just next one after the next one after the next one is just going down. And I'm thinking, wow, this is good, God. This is so good. And uh, uh, because I, I tell you, I don't want to just be teaching out of uh, out of, uh, uh I don't want to just be teaching information, you you know. You can teach information, but information won't get you anywhere in the long run. And uh, unless people have got a heart connection with God uh, and a a reality of it, experience of it, uh, they will never have what it takes to to fulfill the mission that Christ has called them to. Anyway, after this time of, of ministry, they get up and I say, okay, tell me what happened. And this one woman said, you know what? I've seen something like that happen before, but we were warned, don't ever engage in in something like that because a demon will climb on you. And uh, and she said, so I've always been cautious, so I was determined that nothing was going to happen to me. And uh, when you put your hand on me, I felt God. I couldn't stop myself. It just went boom on the floor, and I feel free on the inside. Another woman said, you know, she stood up and she said, over the last week, I've had this terrible pain in my neck and uh, I haven't been able to sleep. And it's been really upsetting me. When I got touched by the Spirit of God, He healed me. I felt warmth in my neck and now it's completely free. So, (laughs) So it was after that. It was all on. So the, last, the, the rest of the time that I had with that particular school, there was no boring information. We, had, uh, we gave them the instruction that they needed, but every time they encountered the Spirit of God, and, uh, and they went away from that place, back into their home places, wherever they were over the nation, and they were touched by God. Uh, another place that we went to, this was a strange thing that, that happened, really strange, and... Um, we were in a, in a place in the, in the uh, far north of, uh, of our province, beautiful city, and we were in a, again in an underground training area. There's buildings all around us in a valley, no natural wind at all. And when I led these people again to receive the Holy Spirit, they've got their arms up and just saying, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, there's a wind howling at the doors. There's a wind howling Around the room, the guy that's with me—he's going, "Doug, do you hear that? Do you hear that?" He's got tears streaming down his face. This is a Western, guy that I was with me, and uh, I say, "Yeah, I hear that." And it's like all the hairs on the back of my neck were, were standing up because this is Acts two stuff. Why does God do something like that? Because He wants them to be uh, to encounter the reality. Jesus didn't die to give us religion. He didn't die to give us dead information. He died to make us sons and children of the living God, that we would live in a real relationship with him. And he does that again and again. in that time, too, there were spontaneous healings where people would report afterwards, oh, my word, that backs had had been tweaked back into place. Just crazy stuff that I hadn't prayed for them in particular for anything like that. It just happened while they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't forget that. And uh, so, just great stuff happening. Uh, one of the other things that's happened, which was just turned up uh, out of the blue, was uh, was an incredible deal with Kalinda. And I've got to move quick on this. I just seen the seen the time. Um, Kalinda, Kalinda, years ago, 14 years ago, before Kalinda and I went to Bible school in, in Singapore, we stood at the front of the church and we were just telling the church what we were doing over the next year and, uh, and how we were going to Singapore for Bible school. And Kalinda, I handed the microphone over to her and Kalinda said, yeah, and I've got a real heart for, for child prostitutes and I just really want to see them healed and set free. And I'm standing alongside her thinking, Girl, you didn't tell me about that.
1: <laughs> Why didn't you
0: tell me before now? Anyway, she's held that dream for, for 14 years. And uh, when we got over there again, this was something that just happened as a, as a divine appointment where uh, we were uh, arranged to meet with some other people. The woman who picked us up was, a, was a, a connected through a connection of Andrew Mason's back in, in the States. And uh, uh, this was uh, this woman picked us up, and, and she was she, to be honest, she was a bit ticked because it put her out. And uh, but she grilled us. She asked us a whole lot of questions: Who are you? What do you do? And why are you here? And how long are you here? And, and we am kind of well, okay. So uh, anyway, uh, after that meeting, she uh, she came to us and said, "I want you to come to my house and meet my husband." And he did the same thing and said, "Well, who are you? What are you doing How, how long are you going to be here?" And then at the end of that, I guess we'd answer to their satisfaction. She said, Lisa said, uh, she said, you know what? I work with child prostitutes, and uh, we have a shelter here uh, in the city. And uh, uh, I've been working with them for the last seven years, but right now I'm in a real spot of bother. Uh, I'm going back to to Europe for three months, and I need someone to take care of these girls. And uh, it's not anyone that I'm looking for. It's someone with with counseling skills. It's someone who uh, is a committed minister of the spirit. It's someone uh, who who's, uh, has practice of working with sexually abused people. And uh, all of that, Kalinda's been, uh, her entire adult life has been working around those areas. And uh, so uh, she said, you know what, are you, you are an answer to prayer. And Kalinda said, well, I've just got off the plane. Are, are you prepared to do that? Uh, and uh, she said, well, you know what? I don't have a whole lot of choice, and it looks like you're an answer to prayer. And uh, would you come in tomorrow and, and meet with the girls and, and see how it goes? Well, that was the beginning of Kalinda's work uh, with uh, girls who'd come out of prostitution. They'd been trafficked into prostitution uh, in, in that place. And uh, uh, so many of them are just teenagers. And Bill, visited the, Bill and Glenda visited the place when uh, they were there. And Bill came back messy because... He said, Doug, they're, they're just kids. They're just children. And uh, they are. Most of them are, are only in their teens. The youngest girl in the shelter is 12 years old. And uh, she was just taken in just a, a week before. Uh, they're trafficked into the, into the sex industry. They don't volunteer to be prostitutes. They're sold by their parents or they're kidnapped. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know what? Just because of time, I'll just ask if... Uh, if we could show, I've got a short video clip from Kalinda just talking about that. So, uh, and you can see Kalinda, if we could just play that, guys. Thanks, Sergeant.
2: NIMEN hao TONG Hi Bay City, it's great to be able to say hello to you from our very own apartment here in China. I just so wanted to share with you uh, the things God's been doing since I arrived here. God has faithfully opened an amazing door for ministry for me to be able to serve Him in this place. Before I left the Hawke's Bay, He spoke to me that very last week, out of Isaiah 45 verse three, he said, "I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hoards in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by name." Wow! I had no idea. Just what the treasures of darkness and who the hordes and secret places would be, but I had a huge excitement in my spirit. I had for many, many years had a longing in my heart to work in the underground world of prostitution, to see these young women uh, held often against their will, rescued from this awful, awful sexual abuse. So. Within such a short time, God flung this door wide open. So in a very short space of time, I found myself responsible for the healing and restoration of all the young women that were being rescued out of the sex industry here. Now for me, this work is so special because most of the girls here, they've been either tricked or sold and then trafficked into the sex industry, they're taken from absolute poverty in the remote villages in this, in this region and beyond, and then they are trafficked into the city for the purpose of prostitution. It's not easy for these girls, they arrive not knowing what's ahead of them, they're frightened, they're held against their will, their virginity is sold to the highest bidder. They're systematically raped and beaten for as long as it takes for their will to be broken on the inside, for them to give up and to say, I guess prostitution is all life has to offer me now. Most of them are just teenagers. A number of years ago, the average age was around 18 to 24 but now many, many, many 14 to 15, 16-year-olds are being trafficked for the purpose of prostitution. The best part, though, is Jesus brings a hope that no one else can give these girls. Isaiah 51.3 says, He will comfort her, waste places, and her wilderness he will make like Eden. Twice a week, uh, groups of Eden volunteers like myself, we go out into the streets. We physically put ourselves in the red light districts to reach out to everyone involved in this industry. We ask God before we go, who do you want us to speak to? Every week is like a fantastic treasure hunt where he'll say to one of us, you know, there'll be... A young woman in a yellow jacket or someone wearing a pink skirt or he'll show us the face of someone we know we need to reach and that night faithfully as we go out he always brings just that person along he'll give us words of knowledge things that we can speak into their lives it's just a fantastic opportunity and as they get themselves ready we notice if they're sick we notice the ones who are hurt or injured, who've been beaten by their bosses. We ask about their families and just take a personal interest in their lives. More than anything else though, we offer them choice. We tell them they can choose freedom. We offer them somewhere to live. Uh, we offer them work, meaningful work, where they can come and create jewellery in our workshop. Jewellery that's sent around the world. To
0: bless other people. Uh, so God has opened up an incredible opportunity, and uh, you know, just uh, just uh, one story here, just a final story because this is this is neat. It is a uh, this can be hard to hear too, and um, so just. Two weeks before, two weeks ago, so now I've been here for three, a week before I left, and there was a deaf, mute girl uh, who came into the, into the shelter uh, to begin, uh, just beginning to uh, work as, uh, in the jewellery making, and um, this girl, 18, uh, as an 18-year-old, she'd been starving, and uh, she didn't have food, she didn't have a job, and she went into an entertainment centre, and uh, she just asked if she could mop the floors. Uh, well, this girl was was taken, um, uh, taken captive by the uh, by the owner of that. She was raped. She was then uh, conditioned to work as a prostitute. She didn't see outside for two years. I Think of that two years. A deaf mute girl, and uh, uh, that's just beyond beyond what we can think, you know. Uh, but it's reality. Somehow or other, I don't know how the, how she actually escaped, but she did, and she found her way to the shelter. And uh, Kalinda saw her before I, before I left, and she said, you know, this girl has suffered so much, but for the first time in her life, she's safe. First time in her life, she is fed. For the first time in her life, she has decent clothes. And she said, you know, this girl is, is just, she's she's bright. She's already been touched by God. And uh, anyway, uh, Kalinda sent me an email just, uh, just a while back saying that one of the team had prayed for this girl. She'd had a massive deliverance and, and vomited a whole lot of nasty stuff up. The door slammed behind her and she jumped Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. Lord God, you're awesome. We bless you, Lord God. Father, you're so good. We worship you. Thank you, Suze and team. You know, it's so good to be with you people and uh, to know that I want to encourage you, Bay City. Uh, We're an incredible people, you know, because church is more than a building. It isn't a building. It's a people. It's brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. And there's a bond of love here that is touching some of the deepest and darkest places on this earth. We hear about Susan Seeger in Africa. She'll be the only hope that those kids have, those orphans have. And the hope really isn't Susan, it's Jesus Christ. And a daughter of God who's willing to put herself in that position. As a church, we're reaching and we're touching people's lives in China. As a church, we're reaching and touching people's lives in Pakistan. This is the real thing. This is what life's about. There's nothing else that there's nothing else that's worth giving your life to. only Jesus. This morning let's just celebrate and worship and just give thanks to God for the good things that He's done in our lives and that He is prepared to let us partner with him in doing this. What a great thing to be involved with hallelujah. Thank you for listening to me this morning, people, and thank you for being concerned. Thank you for having a heart for the mission.
1: Praise the Lord. Thank you, Doug. I never really said to anyone, but years ago, I heard someone talk about the child prostitutes in Cambodia. My heart was moved. And I said, God, I'd love for somehow for our church to be involved in ministering into that area. And, they, and now we've got two people that are reaching out to those very areas. And, uh, it's just, just one. If we want to pray for you and uh, just bless you and pray for an increase of anointing and power upon your life, it's very touching to see what God is doing and see connection. When you go, we go with you. Amen. And uh, church, you'll have a little brochure, one of these just uh, nearby. And uh, some of you have already made commitment to support Doug and Kalinda. Uh, I encourage you to pray and have a think about sewing, investing, just even a small amount regularly, $5 a week or something like that. And uh, what you just don't know how much that little bit is going to do to touch the lives of so many. You may want to just contribute something and just make an, a, a, just a gift, a one-off gift. Don't let your heart harden. This is our family doing something that's significant. Don't just shut your heart down because of some other concern that's that's so small. Let's just open our heart to what God says and contribute, and however God shows you. You may not have money, but you look at those jewelry there and you say, man, I, I could sell that off easily to a whole group of people. Why don't you just say, I could do that. I got friends and I got a gift and I could sell them all off. There's always a way. There's always something we can do. So we don't want to just do nothing. And uh, I just was touched today. Just... You come up, we we'll pray with you, just that's Lynn and joy, come on, let's just come, thank you Lord, well, you're a son of the house and carrying the gospel into the nations, you're one of our sons and we're proud of you, I'm proud of you proud of you and proud of Kalinda it's a great work you're doing giving your lives no one knows all the price, just being alone there and having no one every every, every week we can come and just worship God openly but for you it's not like that but you're carrying hope, Father we just thank you for Doug and Kalinda and the children today as we lay hands upon Doug, we freshly mandate and commission him, may your mighty power rest upon him may the doors open in abundance into the underground church lord give him great capacity to hear the different tones of the language father i just pray you'll increase his ability to learn that language to learn it to re- to be able to flow in it to speak it to understand it give him an ear to hear father supernaturally quicken the process of learning the language Lord, I know it could take many years normally, but you can hasten that. You can make it quicker. And so today we're asking you accelerate the learning process in him that Lord, he'll just be amazed how quickly he can pick up the tones and speak the tones and, and flow in that language. We pray Lord that there'll be favor come around the ministry of Kalinda to the young child prostitutes that from not only this place, but other places, people's heart will be moved to help. Father, we release your mighty power we release into dark calendar a river of hope to those who have none. Father, let the mighty power of the gospel come through in signs and wonders. Give them wisdom, give them supernatural protection, assign angels around them to blind the eyes of authorities to all they do, so they just remain invisible out of sight, and continue to work as Graham ingested, touching the lives of people in that great nation. Father, today as we lay hands, we release your power anointing and authority ask Lord for Doug that he would begin to experience the realm of creative miracles that organs would be created that he would begin to see a whole new dimension of power operating and a great ability to disciple those who are in that nation Jesus mighty name Doug as you um, spoke of Isaiah 54 before
3: I saw just very, very quickly, I saw a great increase in multiplication. I saw stakes going down in provinces. I saw stakes going down in streets. I see. I saw stakes going down in cities. And I just say you're called to the desolate cities. You're called to those waste places. You're called. But if, as those stakes go down, sometimes I saw blood on those stakes spurt out. And it speaks of sacrifice. And you're in a place of sacrifice. You, you As you put those stakes down, just, just immense love and sacrifice of love comes with it and we just just pray for your protection here today. We thank you for those stakes that are going down. We thank you that deep into China, those stakes are going down and we're part of that. We're part of that though. We're part of that. We're with you. We embrace you as you go out tomorrow. We embrace you with love as you go back to Kalinda. Take our love with you. Take our love with you and embrace her and embrace your children. and Stretch those 10 pegs in Jesus' name.
1: flow into that song. I love you, Lord. We're here because someone was sent to us. What a great privilege we can send people into nations. Not just to come and go, but to stay. Come on, let's just stand as a family together and let's begin to worship the Lord. I love you, Lord. love you. Shoot we ever- another. Praise the Lord. Thank you for just uh, being with us today. Come along tonight. Doug will be sharing again, ministering again. And uh, Doug, we love you. Just so proud what God's doing through you and great work you're doing. And uh, just been too short. Time's been too short, gone too quick. But uh, we just our hearts go with you as you go out tomorrow. We we'll love to Kalinda and... Uh, and just don't forget, just take one of those green forms. Just have a think. What could I do? How could I be a part? Even a little, you know. But don't say just I can't do anything. Just say I can do something. And God will sanctify it and make it go further than I'd ever imagined. Amen. God bless. Give someone a hug and we'll see you tonight.